0: Welcome and thank you for joining us today. It's so good to have you as part of our online service. I was walking around in the church the other day and running from one place to another. One of my friends stopped me and said, hey, you're limping. What happened? It turned out that I'd broken my leg 20 years ago um, and it had healed up perfectly. It took eight weeks to heal up. Um, There was even time to take out the metal pin that the doctor had put in there. And I thought, apart from a couple of scars and, 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 you know, and a good story, nobody would ever know that somebody turned in front of me, I hit them with my motorcycle, and I had a massive accident. It turns out that every now and then, when I'm tired and when I'm, I'm a bit busy and I don't concentrate, I walk with a limp. And I thought that this was dealt with um, well in the past. And this got me to thinking, We've all been through traumas in our lives, have been through tough things, and we kind of live with this idea that, you know what, time heals all wounds. But if we're honest about it, life doesn't really work that way. In fact, a lot of injuries, if they don't get special attention, if we just give them time to heal, they will fester. In fact, the thing might go green and you might lose a limb. So time doesn't heal all wounds. Um, And in fact, you just get left with more traumas and more infections and more trouble. Now, this logic isn't just true for physical traumas. This logic is also true for spiritual, emotional, and mental traumas that we face as well. So many people think that, hey, if we just give it time, Maybe it'll go away. If we just give it time, maybe it'll heal up all by itself. For me, when I broke my leg to make a full recovery, I had a lot of people involved in the healing process. Laying there in the street, um, I had a couple of paramedics help me out, um, get me stable in the moment and help me to get out of the road where I was creating a proper traffic jam. Um, And then, from their help, they handed me over to the emergency room staff. They scanned me for things, they checked me for things, they did an examination, and they handed me over to the orthopedic surgeon and and his team. And they cut two holes in my legs, or in my leg. And they inserted a foreign object, and, and those things had to heal again. But that was for my best. You know, that foreign object was to, to straighten my leg out and, and to make sure that it grows on correctly. The screws that they put in wasn't just there to hurt me when I turned on to my side. No, they were there to keep everything in place. And from there, they handed me over to the uh, ICU ward and the ICU ward handed me over to the high care unit. And in the high care unit, there was this, this small little girl who, um, who would come in and she would be very excited about life and very excited about exercise. And she had this goal for me to walk from my bed to the bathroom. And, and, and that was, I, I want to say, her goal in life is to get people to walk from their beds to the bathroom. But it was an important goal. And for me to achieve that goal meant a lot of hard work. And so this process to heal, this process to get back on my leg again was hard work and it involved a lot of people and it involved a lot of good decisions along the way. The scary bit here is that non-physical traumas are equally debilitating. They also have the potential to be life-threatening for us and yet we don't attend to them well. We have this Tough guy attitude towards uh, f- uh, mental uh, um, health issues. We have this tough guy attitude towards emotional health issues, where we go rub some dirt on it. You know, maybe even we've st- <laughs> we've told ourselves to walk it off and to hope that time heals it in the end. Now, many of us have suffered amazing <sighs> or infinite traumas, and. These broken bits, they, they've healed up, but they've not healed up in the way that they should have healed up. If we're honest about it, we never got expert help and something that's supposed to be straight is now at an angle and it's hurting us wherever we go. So you've probably struggled with a wound that won't heal right. It's been years and you're still struggling the effects of what happened in that schoolyard or in that classroom, or when your parents did what they did, or when that person did what they did, or when that relationship ended in the way that it ended, and that person said those things that they said. In the same way that physical traumas leave us with a limp and some scars, or even a creaky wrist. In the same way, non-physical traumas will leave us with skewed beliefs it'll leave us with false ideas about ourselves and about others and about how the world works we will have misunderstandings about what abuse is we'll have wrong interpretations of how relationship works of what work relationships should look like of what the situations in my life should play out as or even what my worth is what my value is and how acceptance actually works. This list goes on and on and on. Now, I don't know why we must go through suffering, but if there's one thing I know about all of us is that at some stage, we have suffered. We've we faced traumas in our lives, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, and that list goes on and on as well. But the point being, we all face suffering. What I know is that if we don't deal with that suffering well, it will leave us with lifelong damage, limps, scars, and problems into our futures. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, and he later became uh, one of the leaders in the first church. Uh, He was an apostle, and He saw wonderful things happen in his ministry. He saw God working amazing miracles and God working amazing wonders while he shared this good news about Jesus coming to seek and save the lost over and over and over again. But before that happened, uh, Peter was also the guy who denied Jesus, uh, denied even knowing Jesus, three three times on the night that Jesus was crucified he did this after explicitly saying to Jesus that he'll never leave his side, that he'll always follow him. John 13 records this and it says, Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, Die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Peter wasn't thrilled about hearing this. In fact, he was heartbroken about hearing this. But it turned out exactly like Jesus had predicted. After Jesus' arrest, uh, John's gospel goes on to say the following. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest. So he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate. And she she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, You're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I'm not. It continues, Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, No, I'm not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. For Peter, after following Jesus devoutly, after giving up everything he knew and literally putting all his eggs in Jesus' basket and following after him and thinking that this is the rest of his life, it must have been devastating to realize that so quickly everything that you thought you knew, everything that you were holding on to, just came crashing down. See, when Peter heard, Um, that Jesus had risen from the dead, that the tomb was empty. He got up and he ran for all his worth and he got to the tomb and and he was looking in. And I can only imagine that in Peter's head, he was thinking, maybe I can make it up to him. Maybe I can apologize. Maybe I can say, uh, Lord, help me to make amends. You're my beloved friend. I will never deny you again. But he doesn't get that opportunity. It's interesting, in John's Gospel, there is this this little detail about uh, Peter and standing in in the crowd there, warming himself at a coal fire. That little word, a coal fire, only gets used twice in the entire Bible. And this is the one place. The other place where it's used is where Jesus appears to the disciples um, after he had been resurrected. The disciples were out all night fishing, and they hadn't caught anything. Uh, at, the, at, at, at dawn, they, uh, they were moving back towards shore, and somebody from shore shouted to or called towards them and said, Have you caught any fish? And no, came the reply back. The man on the shore then said, Well, put your nets out on the other side. They took one more chance and they threw their nets out on the other side and and the haul of fish was so big that they couldn't get the nets inside the boat. They immediately realized that Jesus was standing on the shore. And when they got there, Jesus was making them breakfast over a coal fire. It's so interesting that that the three elements are there again. Jesus Peter and this coal fire. John is probably trying to tell us something here. So, over breakfast, Jesus has this interaction with Peter. And we read about it in John 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, Follow me. Peter was hoping that time would heal his wounds, his denial of Jesus. But It turns out that it doesn't. Um, What's amazing about what Jesus does in that moment is that three times Peter denied Jesus. And three times Jesus gives Peter the opportunity to reaffirm his love, his faith in Christ. Jesus does this three times with a very specific purpose. He gives Peter meaning and, and, and excitement about what the future holds again. But at the end of it, Jesus gives him an affirmation. You see, Peter went back to what he thought he knew, fishing. That's what he left before he followed Jesus. And Jesus tells him, Peter, don't do what you think you used to know. No, do what you know. Peter, follow me. See, God sees our pain. He looks directly at the most hurt that we've ever had. And He wants us to face it. He wants us to deal with it well, get through it, get past it, and move on to the future that He has for us. See, only God can turn the shame and the pain and the heartache of a crucifixion into the restoration of lives. You see, it's only God that can bring resurrections from crucifixions. It's why Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purpose for them. So how do we deal with traumas well? How do we deal well with these these things that happen to us that we, for for the most part, had no hand in? They just kind of hit us from the side, side sideswiped us and sent us in another direction. And now we're stuck with all this hurt, all this pain and all this stuff that won't just heal by itself. Well, I think the first step is for us to accept help from others. Man, we can be stubborn. (laughs) And we desperately need God's help in this and praying and allowing God into the situation is definitely one of the points I'm gonna share with you today. But God put us in community for a reason. He put us in community because we were made for community. We were made to share our burdens together, to carry the load together, to grow together, and to become the people He's created us together. To get someone to help you to carry your weight is probably the most responsible thing that we can do. Peter went to his friends. He, he, he knew that on his own, he'd messed this thing up. And so he needed his friends, and he went to his friends, and that didn't solve all his problems. But at least with the folks that take care of you, with the folks that help you to be accountable, you're in a place where you won't get hurt as easily. And then, ultimately, being with his friends led him to breakfast with Jesus, where everything changed for him again. 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3 and 4 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. You see, there can be purpose in pain. It might not feel like it right now. It might not even be what you want to hear right now. But whatever we hand over to God, He will take and He will turn into something that can glorify Him. He will give purpose to the pain. He will give reason for what you are facing. Galatians 6 says the following. It says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think that you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. See, we are here to share each other's burdens. Others are standing, waiting. Friends are standing, waiting for you to share your burdens with them. When somebody asks you, how are you doing? It's actually an invitation for you to tell the truth and not just to give them a platitude or a, a blank answer to that question. Hebrews 10 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not le- neglect our meeting together, as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. We constantly encourage you here at Life Central to become part of the life of the church, to be a volunteer. Because when we're working together, we we can see when something is off in somebody. We get to know each other a little bit better. We constantly encourage folks to join life groups because in small groups where we do life together, it's easy to see when something is off. When we share life together, we share the highs, the lows, the successes, the failures, the good, the bad. We get to carry that weight. Together, we get to move towards our healing quicker. We get to move towards God's restoration for us much faster than what we ever try to do it on our own. Why is it important to have people around us? Because honestly, we're all a bit of a mess and we're all on this road together. And so we get to pick each other up and carry each other along. The next important way for us to deal well with the traumas that we faced, is for us to focus on what's true and not on what we feel. Emotions can become disconnected. Uh, in other words, they can, uh, there can be times where we feel nothing towards the traumas that we faced, feel nothing towards that hurt and that pain and that, uh, man, just all that. And that's not a good place for us to be. The other place where emotions go is that they become distorted. And the problem with that is that we really feel them and they are real in our lives, but they are not revealing the truth. Uh, We do things like we blame ourselves and we say, I'm no good. I I brought this thing, whatever it might be, over myself. And the the truth there is is that that's not true. Uh, You are facing a thing and you didn't bring it over yourself. we are told to put on a brave face. And sometimes we tell ourselves to put on a brave face by these emotions. And we think that we can't allow others to see us in this way. Um, we think that we must earn others' love and approval. That comes from a bad emotion or, or an emotion that, that is pointing us in the wrong direction. That's a point, uh, it's a, an emotion that's not telling us the truth. Those emotions tell us that we need to please others to be loved and accepted. They tell us that we must be in control to be safe and secure. They tell us that, um, you know what, you prayed about this once. Surely everything's going to be better now. I prayed once, and why isn't everything better now? Because both of those are dangerous places for us to live from. Paul writes about everything that he faced on his travels throughout the world. He writes to the Corinthian church and he says this, we think you ought to know dear brothers and sisters about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and we will continue and he will continue to rescue us. You see, Paul says there that trusting yourself was a dangerous spot there, but putting those those things that you couldn't control out into God's hands and knowing that He'll take care of you is the best and the safest place that you can be. It's putting... It's, it's trusting the truth of God over whatever our emotions are telling us at that stage. Uh, we should seek the truth about those feelings and about those emotions because as John 8.32 tells us, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. The problem is that if we hold on to something wrong as the truth, it'll send us in very much the wrong direction. It'll send us away from recovery. It'll send us away from rest. So what is the truth? Well, there's three simple truths for us to hold on to that will always be true. The truth is that my trauma is my responsibility. It doesn't mean you brought it over yourself, but it does mean that your recovery is your responsibility. And to take ownership of that will lead you quicker to the place that God has for you. My trauma is not my identity that's a very very important truth to hold on to you see so often we take the descriptions that we have been given we are told that i am a victim or that um i'm a recovering addict or that i'm a divorcee and we make those things our definitions they are not definitions they're just descriptions of what you are facing you are defined by the love of god You are defined by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are defined by the fact that we are valuable enough for God to send His Son to pay a price for us. That is our identity. We are children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Then the final little truth for us to hold on to is that trauma is not my future. It's something that I faced in my past. It is something that I'm dealing with today, but I'm moving on towards a future that God has intended for me. I'm moving on to the better that God has to me through the hurt, through the pain, definitely, but onto something better. You see, denying the truth will unfortunately never lead us to anything better. The third thing for us to deal well with our hurts and our traumas is for us to know that we need to learn to forgive and not waste time and energy on revenge feeling that we often hold on to is that the person who perpetrated this thing against me does not deserve forgiveness. Now, be honest with you, holding on to unforgiveness is really, really hard work. It's really, really energy intensive. And if you've ever broken something, you will know that you need all the energy that you have to recover from whatever was broken. It's the same with these non-physical traumas that we need all our energy to put into our recovery, and not into figuring out what kind of revenge that we can plot. Uh, all that that does is that it saps your energy away from your recovery, and puts it into the wrong things. Forgiveness is not easy, and is not fast, and it is not natural. But we, so we must. Allow ourselves the time to actively move towards it, but we need to move towards it because our freedom depends on forgiveness. Lamentations two nineteen says, get up and pray. Get up and pray for help all through the night. Pour out your feelings to the Lord as you would pour out water or as you would pour water out of a jug. I know this, that nighttime is probably the time when these these warring thoughts and these these warring emotions, they keep us up. And and it's like they are amplified when the sun goes down. They are amplified when we get quiet. And this is why Solomon gives us this wonderful piece of advice, this this, uh, piece of wisdom for us to pour those emotions out, to pour those thoughts out, to pour those heartaches out in front of God like we would pour out a jug of water. The fourth and, and, and last way for us to deal well with trauma in our lives that I want to share with you today is for us to hope in God so that we can move on in our recovery. You see, we will trust God for His healing. Job had some very interesting friends. He had friends that gave very sincere advice, but sometimes it was very wrong advice. Some of the advice was really good, though. And let me read you some of the really good advice that they gave him. Job 11 says, If only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer. Get rid of your sins and leave all your iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten with innocence. You will be strong and free of fear. You will forget your misery. It will be like water flowing away. Your life will be brighter than the noonday. Even darkness will be as bright as morning. Having hope will give you courage. You will be protected and you will rest in safety. You will lie down unafraid and many will look to you for help. God has so much for us, so much freedom for us, so much life for us beyond the traumas that we are facing, beyond the things that are hurting us so much. But it means that we have to put some stuff in place. We have to get some friends involved. We have to forgive and we have to hold on to the truth. And lastly, we need to hand those things over that we can't change to the one who holds the future so that we can move on. To what he has for us the truth is we might have a limb and we might have some scars at the end of it but God wants to tell a resurrection story from what we can only describe as a crucifixion God wants to restore you to live out the life that he created you for to experience the freedom that Christ paid for so what is your next step well My question is, do you need to accept help and support from others? Do you need to focus on what is true and not just what you feel? Do you need to learn to forgive and not waste your energy on revenge? Or do you need to hope in God for your recovery and trust Him for your healing? Because those steps will walk us. It'll put us on the road toward what God has for us. It'll change our lives forever, but it's gonna take a lot of good decisions for us to make. It's like the time I spent in a hospital. Well, it's like the time you'll spent in a hospital to move to recovery. I was out of that hospital in, 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 in no time because I went through the process of healing. We can be out of our traumas in God's time because we trust Him for His process and we walk with Him through His process. Let me pray with you. Father God, as we have all faced traumas, as we have all faced, Lord, some of the worst things that we could ever imagine happening to us, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that you know about it. Lord, you were there when it happened. And Lord, your heart was broken when it happened. And Lord, I thank you that you are willing and wanting to see us walk a road toward recovery, Father God. Lord, you are more than willing to take those things from us and to turn it into good, into purposeful things, into things that will help others to grow. Father God, you want to walk us onto our own freedom, Father God. Lord, I thank you that none of those things need to have a hold on us. None of those things need to weigh us down anymore. Father, will you help us with the courage to put into practice the steps that we heard today, to know what's next and to put it into practice well. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna read you one more scripture. Paul writes, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. May you step into new life as you take these steps of dealing with trauma, with emotional, physical, even mental and spiritual traumas, as you put them in practice, into practice, and you trust God with your future. Have a wonderful week.